Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Bet you were home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is it my advice to you? I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. What's up, GoBros? This is Jamie Gruber. I'm guest hosting on the GoBundance podcast for our friend Pat Hyben. And today, I mean, this is a real coup for me. I'm, I'm really, really happy to welcome in author, investor, fellow GoBro, Brian Murray. Thanks for being here, my friend. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you've got a pretty cool story, I think, from what I know of you. Uh, why don't you give us the three, five minute background on all that is you? Sure. Yeah, I, um, I I grew up in upstate New York, um, kind of a lower middle class uh, income family. My father was a, a police officer. My my mother did kind of side jobs to to help support the family. And um, I uh, put myself through college. And I got an engineering degree. Worked as an engineer for about five years. Helped the company that I that I worked for open an office. And uh, after a couple of years, I went back to night school, got a master's degree in engineering and uh, got licensed as an engineer, but wasn't really enjoying it. So I, I quit. I joined the Peace Corps, went, went, went to the Dominican Republic for a couple of years, came back, went to business school, got, picked up my MBA, worked as a management consultant for a couple of years, then moved over into the tech sector. Uh, I was right around the time of the internet boom. And, and I, I helped grow a tech company for about five years and, and uh, got kind of burned out on that. So I walked away and took some time off. And then I started to teach. Uh, I started off doing like substitute teaching. And then uh, I took a, a job as a professor at a, at a community college uh, in New York and uh, taught entrepreneurship and marketing and realized I was having trouble making ends meet and I needed to make some extra income. So I started investing in real estate. And uh, eventually, I grew a real estate investment company uh, to the point that I, I needed to step away from my teaching and run that full time. Published a book about that experience along the way, and and I'm I'm still investing in real estate today. Just a book. I like that. You mind <laughs> dropping the name of the book if you don't mind? Uh, it's called Crushing It in Apartments and Commercial Real Estate. And I believe that's a bestseller. 
Fair? Uh, yeah, it's, it's done pretty well, so I'm blessed. <laughs> I'll bet it has. There's a lot of parallels. I'll just, you know, uh, for a moment here. So upstate New York, I grew up in New York as well, upstate New York. Uh, and my wife actually is from the Dominican Republic. So you, oh, wow. places you and I have been, uh, we overlap. Yeah. Where were you in the, in, the, in, in the Dominican? Where were you specifically? So I was in a place called Haina, which is just outside of Santo Domingo. Gotcha. Yeah. Where she grew up in a city called Igwe, uh, uh, Salvacion Igwe, I think it's called. I'm terrible. I'm butchering that, but yeah, I think heard of that? yeah, I have. Yeah. Beautiful. So. Beautiful. All right. So you mentioned you went from teacher to investor and then eventually leaving that teaching position. Can you give a little bit more detail in there? Like what was that timeline like from the time you made the decision to the time that you actually were able to leave? So I really enjoyed teaching. I didn't really want to stop teaching. You know, I, I particularly enjoyed my time in the classroom. Didn't really care for, for the rest of the job. But, um, you know, it, it, it became very important to me to reinvest all the money from my real estate back into the real estate, which was kind of ironic because I, I started to invest for extra income. But once I really like dug in and, and got passionate about it, I became religious about investing everything back into my properties and buying more properties. So I was really reluctant to step away from the teaching because I didn't want to take that money out of my business. So I hung on to that and did that as long as I felt I could possibly do it and, and, and do it well. You know, I, I didn't want to do anything halfway. And uh, I, I probably at about five years in, I, I hired a CEO for my company and I tried that and it really didn't work out like I hoped. So when she left, I realized I was at that point, I believe I was about seven to eight years in with my company. The revenues were over $2 million at that point. And I had a, a pretty large staff and, and I felt like I owed it to them to give it my full attention. And, and so I, I stepped down from the, from the teaching position and just jumped in full time in the real estate. Very cool. Wow. And, and tell me about the book. When did that come around? Why? What was the, what, what kind of was behind that? So the book, I published the book, I guess it's, uh, gosh, it's, it's almost four years ago now, I guess. And leading up to that, I, I started to get a lot of uh, media attention. I, I won some awards and got some, some notoriety and it, it, what, what came out of that is a lot of requests for help. A lot of people wanted me to mentor them and wanted, to, wanted me to coach them, although I, I didn't offer any kind of coaching services. But I really wanted people to do well because I felt like, hey, if I, if I could do this, other people could do it too. And, and um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think what I had done was particularly complicated. And I felt like, you know, there's an opportunity. I, I wanted to share everything I learned and hopefully be able to help other people do the same thing. So I started carving off time. It took me about two years and I, I wrote down everything that I learned, the mistakes I made. Uh, I tried to make it entertaining. I love to write and, and I did the best job. I took it seriously. I did the best job I could. And, and I got a, hired some freelance, a freelance uh, developmental editor to kind of to help me. And, and she got other freelancers to do the graphics and put together a book that was a publisher quality book. I floated the book idea uh, past, uh, I, I had a literary agent because I wrote, I wrote another book uh, a long time ago that didn't do very well. And he took it to publishers and they all passed on it. And uh, he, he, but he liked it and he encouraged me to just self-publish. So that's what I did. I, I, I sat down with my wife and I said, you know, it's going to cost me about 
probably 15 grand all in to do a real nice job with this. And I don't know if anybody's going to buy it. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get that $15,000 back, but I, this is something I really want to do. And I said, best case scenario, someday I'll, I'll, I'll get that money back and I'll break even. And then that's, I said, that's the best I could hope for. And that's genuinely what I thought. Uh, but I got that for $15,000 back in about a month. So it, it just kind of, it just kind of took off and, and went viral and people, people kept talking about it and sharing it. And um, it ended up uh, getting reviewed by Publishers Weekly and got, got a, a number of uh, really good reviews that helped. And it, it, uh, it, it sold a lot of copies. So it still sells pretty well. It does. I'm a consumer as well. It's an excellent book. If people haven't read it, I would absolutely suggest it. That's not just because you're here. I've said that to others. But a couple things. One, you mentioned that you were getting some media attention prior to, which prompted people to call about mentorship and coaching. What was the media attention for? I, my company ended up being on the, the, the Inc. 500, 5,000 list of the fastest growing uh, private companies. And we did that for five years in a row. And in that span, we actually were the fastest growing real estate company in New York State. And I also, the, the, my company won a, a national award as real estate company of the year. And then a, a couple of years after that, I, I won a national award for the real estate executive of the year. So they're just, we, we got picked up a, a turnaround project that we did that's profiled in the book was a cover story in a, in a magazine called Community Investor Magazine and featured a turnaround project that we did that, that was very impactful for the community. And so you know, pe people started to pick up on that and, and, and a lot of aspiring investors just, they were looking for help. And so I just wanted to do what I could. Well, and you did, you did that. And then some, it's so cool to me being part of a community like this, like Abundance, to interact with guys like you, who, you know, Inc. Magazine, best-selling author, right? Uh, real estate executive. Like these are the people, you're the person, you're the kind of guy that I get to be around. And it's very, very humbling and very exciting for me. So uh, kudos to you for all of that success. The other question that I had was, you know, it's interesting. In GoBundance, I don't know if you saw, we just started a micro tribe called uh, something along the lines of authors, people who want to write books or whatever the case may be. I'm curious, maybe, maybe you're, I don't know if you're going to join that or not, or if you have some wisdom for those that are listening that are going to join that. But what, uh, it didn't just take off. I, I refuse to believe you just sort of like closed your eyes, put the book into publishing, and it just, hey, it kind of caught fire. What, how did you intentionally sort of ensure or make sure or try to uh, get distribution to get it to be uh, so publicly known. Maybe it's beyond what you expected, but I'm, ex I'm, I'm assuming there were some tactics or some things you did up front that maybe drove some of this. I would like to say there was. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> you know, I, 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 what I would say is that I put my heart and soul into the work and I took my time with it. Like I said, it took a couple of years and, and I wanted it to be the best product that I could. And so... You know, I, I, the only thing I did to promote the book is I did a handful of media appearances. Uh, I should say podcast appearances. That's, that's the only thing that I did. I had been on the Bigger Pockets podcast a few years prior, and they had me back right around the time the book launched. So, you know, that was certainly helpful. There was a surge in sales when I was on, on Bigger Pockets for the second time. I was probably on about another dozen podcasts. I had put off doing any podcast appearances in in the in the months leading up to the to the book publication. So I had a flurry of appearances, and and uh, 
but it really just it just resonated with the with the first group of people who read it and you know it really was kind of a viral thing and, and I, I was just really fortunate so yeah well Again, great title. It sounds like you put the work and effort in. And yeah, look, it just goes to show you that I'm learning this as well. You know, really the podcasting space, that that sort of that ability for somebody to connect with you versus an ad or a, you know, a, a quick flyby of, hey, there's this book that's out. It means something, right? That time that you spend, especially when you get on the right podcasts can really fuel growth. So very, very cool, man. Very, very cool story. And I love hearing about it. So I appreciate you going into depth with that. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Let's do this. Let's get into the one sheet, the baseball card, as we call it, for, uh, for GoBundance. Uh, and we're going to start with, uh, with some of the financial stats for you. So currently, what does your yearly horizontal income look like? So it, it, it fluctuates month to month because a good chunk of it comes from real estate. But, you know, I'm, I'm, it hovers between, you know, probably uh, 100000 to maybe 140000 a month. So I, I estimate about $1.4 million a year. Gotcha. Okay. And how many lines is that uh, coming in? It's 57 right now. Does that include the book? I'm curious. Do you include the book as a, as a horizontal line? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, that makes, so. that makes sense. Okay. Uh, what is your horizontal to net worth ratio? So the amount of horizontal percentage as a percentage of your net worth currently? Uh, it's about three and a half percent. Okay. All right. Very cool. And what, at this point, I'm assuming you are a 100 percenter and then some. Yeah. yeah. Unless you spend lavishly. Maybe, maybe you <laughs> no. Do. No, I, I, I'm, I bring in probably, I mean, an order of magnitude more than I spend. So yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That's a very engineer answer too. I like that. An order <laughs> of magnitude greater. Not. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. How about debt to net worth at this point? What is your debt to net worth ratio? So uh, yeah, good, a good. And I saw that they, you know, this is supposed to be. I think it's only full full recourse debt, so somewhere around seventy five percent. Gotcha. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, and uh, I, I'm assuming a good chunk, if not all or most, of your real estate of your net worth is in real estate. But what percentage total is it right now? Yeah, it's about ninety five percent. Gotcha. What else? I'm curious. What else do you? What other lines do you go for? Not a lot. I mean, I've got I've got my book income, which has been you know it's producing over a hundred thousand dollars a year since I published. I've got two more books coming out this year that'll, that'll supplement that too, as, as that starts to, starts to fade away. But that's really, that's really the only other significant source of horizontal income uh, apart from real estate. And, and I'm, when I say real estate, I, you know, I wasn't sure with things like I, I have private notes out to people that have, you know, it's real estate related activity. So I include, I'm, I'm including that as well. That makes sense. Now, do you, from a net worth perspective, do you have a position on cash versus say gold? Do you keep percentages of each or are you just, Hey, look, you know, my net worth's in real estate. I've got enough cash to buy more real estate uh, and I'm good. Or do you, do you get that technical? Some guys do, some guys don't. I'm kind of curious. I do not. I, I, I have over the years tried investing in, in different areas and not, not fared so well. So 
real estate works well for me. And I, I do have a significant amount of money sitting in cash, but I hate the fact that it's sitting in cash. But I also, I'm involved in a lot of different uh, partnerships and real estate syndications. I mean, the biggest one I'm involved with is Open Door Capital, where I'm a, the asset manager and key principal for Open Door Capital. And, you know, as, as, as the key, key principal, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of the one that the team looks to to meet the net worth and liquidity requirements when we borrow money. So I have to keep a certain chunk of, of, of uh, my assets in, in like liquid so that I can, I can uh, serve as a key principal and fill that role. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes it makes a lot of sense. No, interesting. It's it's a it's a discussion we get into quite a bit. Like you know, cash is yeah. trash, right, and all that stuff. Or cash. Yeah, is I, I hate. I hate sitting on cash. I want it. I want it working for me. So, but you know, it's just how my role has evolved. Where with some partnerships now, that that's that's you know, with the experience I have and and uh, net worth and things like that, that it's it it fits for me to to fill that key principal role. So that's, that's what I'm doing. Makes sense. Very cool. Very cool. Let's get into some health stats. Everybody's comfortable sharing this stuff. So what's your current weight and what's your current body fat percentage look like? Current weights in the low 150s, body fat, I haven't measured in quite a while. The last time I measured was about 20%. What is your daily diet looking like right now? What, what's what's, the, what's the, the food intake look like for Brian Murray? I eat pretty healthy. I'm, I'm actually a pescatarian, so uh, I don't, don't eat meat. And, um, you know, I, I try to, I, I try to, I, I exercise a lot. So I'm, I'm a big runner. So I, I, I try not to eat too much, too much junk. I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I, I do a pretty decent job. What got you to pescatarian? What was that decision? If you don't mind walking me through that a little bit. Yeah. So the, the primary driver for me was, was high cholesterol and, you know, it, it, it was a problem and it, it's something that is really a genetic issue, but certainly diet has a lot to do with that. So, you know, I first, first thing I did was I cut out red meat for a period of time to try to help with my cholesterol levels. My wife gave up meat. She decided to give up meat more for ethical reasons. And at that point, you know, going from not eating red meat to just giving up meat really at that point, it was really nothing left but chicken. So I was like, okay, I, I can give up chicken. So yeah, we, we that was quite a number of years ago though. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's where I'm still at. That's interesting. That's really cool. And it is, you know, you think about proximity, right? Your wife is giving it up. So for you, it's kind of maybe an easier leap to do that versus if there's burgers in the fridge and you're trying not to eat them. It's hard not to, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaks, speaks to community and all of that. Uh, how about exercise? What's your exercise regimen look like? So I'm a very active runner. I, for many years, competed in, in, I would run at least one marathon a year. I've done 15 marathons, but I had a, I had a, some back problems that, that took me away from running for a while. And I went through physical therapy. And you know, over the last couple of years, I've been working my way back up and I'm fully recovered from that. And, um, now I'm, I'm actually in the process of training for an ultra marathon right now, wow. part of a program called Becoming Ultra, where they, they, you, you apply for the program, they pick people that they're, they're going to track your progress and profile different people as they run their first ultra marathon. So I got picked for season nine of that. And, and so I you know, make regular appearances on their podcast and track my progress, but I'm, I'm scheduled to run a 50K in May. So 
working toward that. A 50K. Yeah. Yep. God so, bless you, man. Holy yeah. cow. It, it's, it's really cool to hear the layers for you, right? Like, you know, your story is, is very interesting, of course, culminating, not culminating, but a big piece of that being, you know, the, the publicity you got from the book. And obviously before that, the publicity you got for, for some of your, your other accomplishments. But, you know, it's cool to hear guys like you who are leaning into having it all, right? So you're, you're an accomplished athlete at this point. You've run 15 marathons, you said? Yeah. Yeah. And now an ultra marathon, which I can't even do. What's a 50K? Is that like? Oh. 30, 31 miles. So technically anything further than a marathon is, is considered an ultra. So that'll be my first, my first distance beyond the marathon distance. So an extra, extra five miles or so. Ah, extra five. <laughs> for, mo- for most of us, so you know, a marathon <laughs> is considered an ultra marathon. Yeah. <laughs> ultra marathon. So kudos to you, man. That's incredible. I love hearing that. That's excellent. I appreciate you sharing. Let's talk about your family a little bit. What uh, what's that look like? Wife, kids, anything? Yeah, like? so I've, I've got a, a my wife Trisha, and uh, she's a big runner too. Actually, we do we train together. We've got four kids. We're a blended family. I've, we we each brought two kids from prior marriages, and we've got two two girls and two boys. What's the age range? Kind of what's the mix? Uh, Fifteen to twenty one. Wow. Did you each bring, did you bring two girls? She brought two boys or was it one of you? Uh, yeah, I brought two girls and she brought two boys. So. Look at that. Very Brady bunch of you. I like that. <laughs> That's very cool. All right. And right now, what's your life happiness index look like? So I uh, went through and did that. I came up with a 6.8. So you're at a 6.8. What are the highs and lows within that? What are you really strong in in your life happiness right now? Do you feel? So, and, and full disclosure, I went through and did this in, in preparation for this interview. I'd never done this before. So uh, my highs are in exercise and dollar productive activities and horizontal income. Lows, my lowest is in music and dance. So I'm <laughs> not really sure what to make of that. I suppose I should, I suppose I should work on that in some way. And other that's than tough. that, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. So other than that, you know, I definitely have some work to do in terms of, uh, I thought, friends and family area that, you know, that's an area that I could, I could probably de- dedicate more time to. But um, yeah, overall, overall, I'm happy. Do with you mind it. diving in a little bit on that? What, yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, a little more work on friends and family? You know, I, I, I'm a very busy person. I've got a lot of commitments, a lot going on. And, and uh, I, I don't, I, I definitely make time for, for my immediate family, but, you know, in the, in the life happiness index, it basically asks you about uh, siblings or parents and, and, and friends. And so, you know, I, it's, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of extra time. Once I, once I spend time with my children and my wife and, and the different, you know, pursuits that I'm involved in, it doesn't leave a whole lot of extra time. So, you know, something's got to give and, and, and uh, you know, that's one area that I, I don't dedicate a particular lot of time to. Makes sense. It's tough. It's tough. We, yeah. uh, we, we, my family and I kind of consider ourselves priority one, my immediate family, and then everyone else becomes priority two. And to your point, when you're building a life and you're doing things and you're, you know, you've got other communities and tribes, uh, it is hard to lean back into maybe some of that extended family who, you know, you're, I'm sure unique in your family as well. Like, do, are there a lot of investors in your family? Probably not, right? A lot of full-time investors. Most people are, you know, good, hardworking individuals, but they may not quite get, you know, the path that you've taken. So it can be difficult to relate sometimes. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, not a lot of time for dance either. (laughs) 
you you could make time if you wanted to, but you're choosing. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. The rest of the world um, better right, off. I dance less. So. Same here. Same here. Let's talk about uh, contributions. So, what is your current give back ratio? So, my current give back ratio is eight point six percent. Okay, that's pretty healthy. So you're you're donating. I mean, you you make a, a significant income, so you're giving quite a bit back. Anything in particular you lean into? Any sorts of charities or sorts of uh, foundations that you're most active with? No, not really. And and actually, I I was surprised at the outcome of this. Again, you know, I had I hadn't really figured this out, but I certainly benefit from my high annual income in terms of the calculation for converting hours into like a dollar value. So it's, I, I do spend a lot of time mentoring people and um, you know, I don't, I don't charge for that, but I, I invest a significant number of hours in any given week to working with, with other people who are just, you know, looking to try to do what I did or, or further themselves in real estate. Got it. Nope. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So what are, what are your biggest goals from a business perspective in the next month and may, or next uh, 12 months, I should say, and maybe take that to some of your personal goals. What are some of your biggest personal goals in the next 12 months? So my biggest goals in the, in the next 12 months, I'm focused a, a lot on, on my open door capital partnership. We've got a great team there and uh, Brandon Turner is, is the one who founded open door capital and, and is my partner there. And, and we've, I've, uh, Walker Meadows and, and, a, and a number of other, you know, it's just, it's just a wonderful team. I'm putting a lot of time into that. And, and so we want to grow, we're, we're investing primarily in mobile home parks. We're, we're going to be investing in, in apartments as well in that partnership, but you know, we, we'd like to have our assets under management over, um, over a hundred million by the end of the year. And, and, um, I'm doing what I can to make sure that, 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 that happens. So that's, that's one of my, one of my big business goals for the year. Gotcha. How about personally? You mentioned about family. Is it something with that? Or is there any other personal goal, maybe with your health or anything for that matter that you're leaning into this year? Yeah. I mean, my, my, my um, ultra marathon training is a, is a big personal goal. So I'm, I'm investing a lot of time and, and effort into that to do the best I can to try to um, finish that first ultra. So. I'll tell you what, I'll live vicariously through you on that. <laughs> that sounds intense, sounds man. I don't know. Running Running isn't my thing. I'll play basketball for hours and hours kind of thing. But, but I, my, my wife just ran her first half marathon and felt so accomplished after that, that I can only imagine what it must feel like to run the full and or to your point to run an ultra. It's, it's rarefied air. It's really cool to me. It's inspiring. I just haven't gotten the itch for, for, for long distance running. And maybe one day I will. We shall see. Okay. How about some of your past greatest hits? So what are some of the past greatest hits uh, of your life that, uh, that you're most proud of? So, you know, setting aside sort of the, the obvious, um, maybe, you know, to do with children and, and, and my wife and things like that, I think my Peace Corps experience was, was definitely one of the most impactful things that I did. So you know, I would consider that one of my greatest hits and actually buying my first investment property, which totally changed my life. You know, so I, and I went kind of big on my first one. I bought a pretty large office building, um, got very creative on the financing so that I could afford a property that was, seemed to be well beyond my means and, and um, making that leap kind of, kind of changed the trajectory of my life. And then I, I, I would say publication of, of my book, just, you know, it, it, 
it really at, at the time it, it felt it felt like a, a personal accomplishment but when it really struck me is in the time since I, I will routinely get letters and emails and different people reach out to me. And, you know, I, I was in a business meeting just a couple of weeks ago and somebody who was a partner at a, at a pretty large real estate investment firm shared with me that it was my book that inspired them to start and, and, and it, you know, got them where they were eventually. And, or at least, you know, it, lit a you know lit a flame and and kind of ignited that that interest on his part and and I, I get that a lot and and that that's extremely rewarding and, and humbling to think that you know to, that the time that I put into that has helped has helped a lot of people and so I, I feel really good about that it feels really satisfying and rewarding and, and very humbling so yeah there's a lot of that out there I you know I'm, I'm in a lot of uh, uh multifamily communities and um whenever the question of Hey, what's a great book that you've read pops up? Inevitably, your book pops up as one of the big ones and it gets a lot. Yep, yep, absolutely. That's one of the big ones inspired me to be here. And I know a lot of guys and gals that, you know, are pretty count, 100, 200, 300 doors that were inspired uh, by your book to scale, were inspired by your book to get into the game. So uh, it is a powerful, powerful book. And uh, I appreciate you for writing it because I got a lot of value out of it. How about in the future? You mentioned the 100 million. Uh, that you're trying to get to under management. But beyond that, are there a couple greatest hits in your life that you're looking forward to, whether it's a year, five, 10, 30 years out, anything that you've got kind of as a big one day I will? I would say, you know, I I, I definitely want to continue to further my running if, if I can maintain it. You know, it's always this, you know, as I get older, it's, it's you know, you, you break down a little easier, but I'm, I'm still motivated to, you know, not just do this first ultra, but if I can, if I can go beyond that and do a 50 mile race or a hundred mile race, you know, that, that would, I would feel really good about that. I would say I've, I've always wanted to do like a really extended hike, like maybe the Appalachian trail or the Pacific crest trail, you know, take, take whatever, whatever it is, you know, five or six months and and do something like that um, to challenge myself in that way. Uh, I'd love to do something like that. Um, other than that, you know, I, I don't really know how to measure it, but you know, I, I, I seek out things at this point and that will be impactful and uh, I find it really rewarding to help other people in any way that I can. So I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. You know, I, I am going to continue to write. I've got, I've got a two volume book set coming out later this year that I'm co-authoring with Brandon Turner called The Multifamily Millionaire. And, uh, you know, it's, it's two volume set. The first is going to be for small multifamily and the second volumes for large multifamily and, you know, try to continue to do things like that, that are, you know, gonna, gonna help as many people as I can. I love it. If you don't mind me asking, do you, do you recommend to anybody in this market currently around small versus big? Should people go big? Should people stay small? Anything that you uh, kind of throw out there and even in the books or just kind of generally that you give advice on? I've had a, an opinion on yeah. this, which is why I'm asking. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm always hesitant to say, well, I'm definitely a kind of a go big person. Um, it's just, it's just kind of where my mentality is. And um, I think, I, I think if people make a, a conscious decision to go, to go small, because that's what they're going to be happy with. And that's going to fit their own, you know, personal values and what, what their personal goals are, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You can be very successful in real estate as a small investor. But what I hate to see is the small investor who really wants to go big, but doesn't think they can. And, and so 
I believe that, that anybody who's determined enough, ready to work hard enough and to make it happen and that, that they have, they can make, they have the ability to do that. You know, I, I believe that the American dream is still there for the taking. And, you know, I, I want to support that in any way that I can. So, you know, I'm, I'm all about going big, but I'm, I'm not critical of somebody who makes a decision to go in a different direction. No, that makes sense. My, my whole thought on this, very similar. If you can go big, go big, right? You've got the connections, the capital, the, the backing, all of that to go big, go big. I, my, my concern for folks sometimes is if they haven't started yet, that they, they have the advice to go big. So they hold out for that when there's a nice 15 unit or 18 unit over there that's mom and pop owned with value app, get a ton of experience on that. Um, and in this, in this market right now, to me, I feel like those small mom and pop baby boomer type owners are maybe a little bit more willing to give up on something. Whereas I've seen even 35, 40 unit properties get 20, 30 offers on them because everybody wants to get bigger and bigger. So uh, it's an interesting discussion and I appreciate your, your perspective on it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So one last thing on this. So I know you were in Aspen for the GoBundance Winter Retreat a year ago. I'm pretty sure I saw you there anyway. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've been to any others at this point. I know you're, you're newer to the group as of this year, but uh, any takeaways that you had, uh, any insights that you had from being at that event? Yeah, I was, I was in Aspen and I was actually in Austin prior to that as well. So I've just been really impressed with, with, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's any, any single takeaway that I had, but I, I really appreciate, you know, go, go abundances kind of, uh, comprehensive, you know, view of life and that it's not just all about business and, and it's about being well-rounded and in, in all the different, you know, aspects of it. So, you know, both, both of the events that I attended in Austin and Aspen were, were very rewarding, great speakers. I mean, just, just so much to, to learn and, and, and to hang out with, with, uh, you know, the, the rest of the group is it's, uh, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, the next event. So beautiful, beautiful. I hope to see you there. So let's, uh, let's go over to the GoBundance card game, which anybody can download the GoBundance app. There's a member section that's for members only, but you can get this game as well. It's a great party, great party, uh, uh, deal here. So, uh, but I generated a card. It's the seven of clubs. Not that that matters to you, but interesting to me. And the question is, what is the most useful thing that you've learned from your mom or your dad? Mm. Well, you know, I, I think uh, I never really, I never, I never really thought of my mother as an entrepreneur. But I, from as far back as I can remember, you know, she was she was very creative and doing side businesses, earning extra income in any way that she could. And, uh, you know, it wasn't actually until I was teaching entrepreneurship and talking about what it is. And at some point it just clicked. I'm like, yeah, I, I grew up in a house with, a, with an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, it, there's a lot of studies that have been done in terms of, you know, what, what makes somebody an entrepreneur. And, and one, of the, one, of the, one of the things they found is very clearly like exposure to another entrepreneur you know, growing up and it could be a family member or someone you're close to, but that has a pretty big influence as to whether or not you end up at some point going in that direction. So I, I would attribute my exposure to her innovation and entrepreneurship as something that helped me to kind of change my path uh, as, as, as I went forward. So I, I, you know, that, that would be one thing. 
I love it. That's great. So yeah, maybe maybe less the saying or the or the one nugget of advice and more the the proximity to her and what she did and how she was the entrepreneurial part of it. I didn't know that. That's interesting. That study. That's that's good to know for my own kids. So <laughs> you know, with me and with any other yeah. entrepreneurs in our life, you're surrounded by it. I guess you 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 you, yeah. know, you can see it. You can be it, kind of thing. So makes sense. Yeah, I think it takes the it takes a little bit of the fear away. You know that that you can see a little little bit of the mystery from the the black box and and uh, you know makes it just seem more more real and more more achievable. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, great. Well, Brian, where can people learn more about you? Or maybe, I don't know if the book is ready, waitlisted or whatever, but where do you want to kind of direct folks so they can learn more about you and the work that you do? Uh, people can reach me. I'm, I'm on social media, um, on Instagram. Um, it's at crushing it, Brian on Instagram, or you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, if, if for the go bros out there, I look forward to seeing you at the, uh, the next event. So beautiful. Well, thanks to all of you for listening in. If you enjoyed uh, this interview, of course, like, subscribe, comment. Let us know how you felt about it. Brian, I really appreciate you being here. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, don't step to me, bitch. Now you can see.